Well, welcome home and welcome to the Mount Carmel Ministries podcast. In this episode, we carry on with the second part of Wayne's third teaching session. Jesus lifted me when I was in trouble. Jesus lifted me when I was in trouble. Jesus lifted me when I was in trouble. Uh, we're going to continue uh, and uh, continue through Philippians chapter 3. And look, uh, starting at verse, and this, uh, actually, we're going to pretty much stay on verses 10 and 11 uh, this morning, and then tomorrow we'll, uh, we'll start on verse 12, because Paul kind of shifts gears at that point about pressing towards the goal. But this passage is very, very rich in terms of what Paul is saying about following Christ. So here we go. Paul says in verse 10, I want to know Christ, which we talked about, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. This is so interesting. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that in one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. What is, this is a puzzling verse to me. Uh, It's a challenging verse to me. And I've studied this, I've preached on just that verse several times. But what is it that makes Paul say, I want to suffer? (laughs) I don't know that I've ever said that, I want to suffer. I wouldn't choose to suffer. I want to have a pleasant, painless life. Paul says, I want to suffer, sharing in his death. Paul said in another part of his writings that he counted his life as less than nothing. He counted his life as less than nothing because of the overpowering presence of the gospel in his life. His life was worth nothing compared to the honor of knowing Christ. I want to suffer with him. Um, just a brief overview of Paul's journeys. In Acts 19, Paul was preaching in Ephesus and it caused a riot. He was kicked out of town. Acts 20, back to Macedonia, on to Greece, and then back to Ephesus. There in Ephesus, his friends urged him not to put himself in danger by going to Jerusalem. But he says, I'm going even if it means death. He is determined to go to Jerusalem. And that's where he says, my life is worth less than nothing. Acts 21, he's back in Jerusalem against the advice of his friends in Ephesus. And Paul proclaimed that he was ready to die. And sure enough, he was mobbed, arrested, and thrown in prison at Ephesus. Acts 23, there is a plot against his life. Uh, The... uh, The Pharisees uh, organized a a posse and they were going to ambush him and kill him. Imagine these these religious leaders, they were intent on killing the guy. They were intent on murder. So uh, with the plot against his life, he was transferred by the military. Actually, the Rome military saved his life and transferred him to Caesarea under a heavily armed guard. Uh, In Acts 27... He's off to Rome because he had appealed to Caesar for 
because uh, he couldn't get a hearing from uh, the, the Jewish leaders and, and Felix and Festus and those guys. So he appealed to Caesar. He's off to Rome. En route, he's shifted, uh, shipwrecked at Malta, uh, where he ministers to the natives and the traders over the winter when they couldn't sail. In Acts 28, he arrives in Rome. He's placed under house arrest. And in the months and uh, years, actually, of his incarceration, he preaches, teaches, he writes, he witnesses to his converts throughout Asia and Europe. And with death staring him in the face in Rome, he desired, desired to fully take part in the death of Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11.23, let me read what Paul says. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. What a life. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger of my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false believers, danger all around him. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the, the pressure of my concern for what's going on in the churches. So Paul says in verse 10, being like him in his death, Paul so desired to be like Jesus, not only to follow Jesus' life, the perfect life that Jesus lived that we couldn't live, but also in Jesus' death, the death that we all deserve to die. Jesus died in our place. In our culture, as we've talked a little bit about yesterday, in our culture, we're so concerned with safety. We, we, uh, we're unlike other believers in other parts of the world that expect to go to jail because they're a Christian. Just, they just accept, I'm a Christian, I'm going to go to jail. And that's the price they're paying in a hostile environment. And um, like I said, if I were in those cultures, I'd be praying for protection every day. There was, uh, Willie wanted me to tell the story of uh, a lot of work we do is uh, in the Muslim world, in the Middle East and North Africa. And you know, the, the Muslims at some time in their life are required to do a pilgrimage to Mecca in Ramadan, and millions and millions, they had to deal with the COVID problems this year too, but normally millions go to Mecca, and it's crowded, it's noisy, it's hot, in the desert. And uh, this one family, they were on a bus going, ready to get off at Mecca where they would you know, do their thing. And uh, she was kind of complaining about the heat and the clouds. Her husbands always walk ahead of the wife, right? In, in that culture, you see them, the husband is ahead, wearing shorts and a tank top, and the, and the wife is fully regalia. That seems kind of unfair to me. But um, 
so she's, compl- she's talking to her husband. It's so hot and crowded. And the bus driver overhears her say that and says, you know, if you followed Jesus, you wouldn't have to do this. She was shocked. She was, yeah, can you imagine in the middle of all of this, the bus driver said, if you followed Jesus, you wouldn't have this. So she kind of goes and catches up to her husband and said, you know what the bus driver said to me? He said, if I followed Jesus, I wouldn't have to do this. And he was mad. He went back to try to find the bus driver and couldn't find him anywhere in the crowd. And, but this woman was curious and started asking around, where, where can I find out more about Jesus? Now, the Muslims recognize Jesus as a great prophet, but they don't acknowledge him as the son of God. He's a great prophet. They call him the savior of the world but they don't recognize him as the son of God. So she starts asking around and somebody says, well, I know some people that are followers of Jesus and if you'll go, they gave the directions, go out on this street and turn, turn again and you'll see this house with, uh, with a red door on it. Just go knock at the door. So she did that. So she, she uh, during a moment, she sneaks off by herself, follows the directions, sees this house, knocks on the door, and they invite her into the entry of the house, into the living room. And there's a picture of Jesus on the wall. And she looks up at it and says, that's the bus driver. True story. True story. Again, the miraculous things that God is doing. We Americans find it hard to believe, but... God is showing himself in unusual ways. That's kind of dramatic, but honestly, uh, people are coming to Christ through dreams and visions. That, uh, that uh, The Old Testament promises that old men will dream dreams and young men have visions and, and women will have dreams and visions. And we see it happening today. I think where there's a spiritual warfare going like this and Satan is demonstrating himself, God demonstrates himself in unusual ways. Okay, enough of that. But I, it's just amazing. I have a friend uh, in Indonesia. Uh, he was the leader of a small Bible college in Indonesia. Indonesia, surprise to many, is the most populous Muslim nation in the world. More Muslims in Indonesia than any other country. We think of Muslims in uh, you know, Saudi Arabia and that part of the country. Uh, but um, he was a teacher in a, in a school, a superintendent of a Christian school, and uh, went through a lot of uh, persecution and uh, warfare and danger. <clears throat> he has now started um, planning radio stations, and that's where we came in with HCJB, helping him plant radio stations in communities. We helped him put in about 60 radio stations. And people would, Muslims would listen to the radio. We wouldn't criticize the government. We wouldn't criticize Islam. It was all things to help family, and there was counseling. There's a lot of unfaithfulness in Muslim families, husbands having multiple wives or multiple uh, mistresses. And so a lot of the wives would call the station or come to the station, and many would receive Christ. And when people, Muslims, would listen and receive Christ, he would plant a church. And out of the 60 radio stations, he had planted 1,800 churches all across Indonesia. But he was, at that time, under Sharia law, he was on the 10 most wanted list. Somebody could kill him, and they wouldn't be prosecuted for the crime because he was fair game by anyone. 
And I said, how do you do that? You've got a beautiful wife, three lovely kids. And how do you do that? And he says, I just do what God has called me to do and I don't worry about it. I mean, I've, I've never forget that statement. I just do what God has called me to do and I don't worry about it. That reminds me of Paul where he says, becoming like him in his death. I had a friend in North Africa and Mauritania his name was Hisham. And Hisham was another guy that he was going around. Uh, he was, you, couldn't, you can't put radio stations on the air there, but he was producing radio programs that were sent to Spain and then uplinked on satellite. And we had about a million listeners a week listening to those programs. But uh, the authority, they had their recording studio in kind of the back part basement of this store. So uh, the authorities would come in and look around, continue. It was, you know, kind of like intimidation. And uh, again, he was willing to go to jail. In fact, he was put in jail. He was put in jail for preaching the gospel. And he was, again, he said, this is just part of the job description, that we can expect persecution. And Jesus himself says, don't be surprised when persecution comes. Don't be surprised. Because Jesus was persecuted, you will be persecuted. Now, laying down your life doesn't mean you're going to die. It's just that you're willing to die. <laughs> you know the difference? Uh, it's not necessarily a death sentence, but yet, like Paul, I'm willing to lay down my life for what I believe. I count my life less than nothing. Uh, I'm working now with an organization, pardon me for telling these mission stories, but it relates to Paul does. Um, Far East Broadcasting, I work part-time for them, and they have radio stations, they have 150 radio stations around the world, they have shortwave, they have virtual uh, downloads and podcasting, all of that. But their main office is in Hong Kong, and in Hong Kong they reach about uh, uh, a million listeners a week through their shortwave and their, their uh, downloads and podcasts and things. Um, with COVID has come great restrictions because they're now controlled by, Hong Kong is now controlled by China, sadly. And the Chinese officials have put a lot of pressure on and we fear for the safety of our staff because China, China authorities, communist authorities are watching our people in Hong Kong and they have threatened them with uh, imprisonment or violence or whatever. And with COVID, uh, they've been uh, ordered not to go to work. Our people, they're all Chinese people, Chinese Christians, they say there's such great spiritual needs. We're going to go to the radio station and we're going to stay there. We're going to eat there, sleep there, so we can do our daily broadcast because pure people are fearful. They need information that they're not getting from the government. They need hope and encouragement and faith. And these people are so dedicated. We say, they say, we don't care what the government said. We're going to go to work. We're going to do our daily broadcast and continue to meet the needs of people. I really admire. I mean, those are my heroes. You know, we have the big name heroes in our country, but these are God's little heroes that nobody knows about that are faithfully serving God and they're willing to take abuse, punishment, imprisonment, even if it means death. 
Galatians, uh, in the book of Galatians, Paul says, I've already been crucified with Christ. I've already been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live by, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So I am crucified with him. So anyway, Paul goes to Rome to testify and to die that he might attain the ultimate service. For him, it was to die for Christ. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. He says, if I might attain the ultimate service, to die with Christ. Does anybody recall what Jesus said in his Beatitudes? The eighth Beatitude, what he said about this? What did Christ say about this particular thing? Blessed are you if, if, men, if men persecute you. For great is your reward in heaven. The Beatitudes are a series of ascents up the ladder for, de- uh, for dedication and commitment. And he ends up with, most blessed are you if you're persecuted for your faith, if you die for your faith. Paul's goal is to go to Rome to testify and to die. But it doesn't end there, uh, 10 and 11, so that one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection is central to Paul's teaching. We live in a day where even so-called Christians are denying the resurrection. It couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. Didn't happen. It was a dream. It was a vision. It was a ghost. It was crowd hysteria. And it's, even movies are made about Christ's life that ends at the grave. But we know that's not the end of the story. Resurrection was central to Paul's preaching. And at Pentecost Sunday, Paul stressed the resurrection. Acts 23 Um, Paul testifies of the resurrection before the Sanhedrin. The the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe there was such a thing as an afterlife. The, The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. Acts 24, 15, in trial before Felix. Acts 26, in front of Herod, of King Herod, Agrippa. Tim Keller, the pastor of the big Presbyterian Church in New York City, says this, The minute you decide to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's the power of the resurrection. The same thing that raised Jesus from the dead is now alive in your life. Wow. We think it took a lot of power to raise Jesus from the dead, and it did but we have that same power in us. (laughs) Wow. The more you know him, Keller says, the more you grow into the power of the resurrection. The more you uh, know him, the more you grow into the power of the resurrection. I love that quote. 
The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that I can experience today. Paul said to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable, our physical bodies now, must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal into immortality. You talk about miracles. What a great miracle awaits those of us that know Christ and follow him. It goes on to say, when the perishable has been closed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Talking with a bunch of you here this week, you're dealing with passing of loved ones or maybe uh, somebody that's on the edge ready to step into eternity. What a great comfort this is. There's no doubt that Paul's highest calling is heaven. Verse 11, and that one way or another, and so somehow to experience the resurrection from the dead. He says, if by any means, it's not like he has a question of whether he's going to do it or not. It's not uncertainty, but it's that earnest striving that by any means, somehow striving to attain the resurrection of the dead. The same power that raised Jesus is, which raises Jesus, which raises us from spiritual death will raise our bodies later from physical death. Paul talks about, and this was a great comfort to me, Ken, when Norma passed away, that these bodies are our tents. A tent is something you use when you go camping. Most people don't live in tents. It's temporary housing while you're on a journey. And then we go to our homes. The tent is our temporary earthly dwelling that when this life is up over, it's folded and put away. And we put on a new, new garment. We fold up the old clothes, put away. We put on a new garment, which is the new bodies that Christ will, will give us. Someday, we'll all be raised. Though, and we'll be, reunited with, we'll be united with Christ and reunited with our loved ones that have gone before us. But those that have died for their faith are given special rewards. Unfortunately, at this point, Wayne's microphone experienced some technical difficulties. Rather than stopping the presentation for those present, he decided to continue on. We fixed the microphone for the next session. He said, shall I tell you what sustained me through the trials and hardships and loneliness of my exiled life? It was the promise of a gentleman of the most sacred honor, who said, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. <laughs>
Did David Livingston make a great sacrifice? He said this, people talk of the sacrifice I've made by spending so much time in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply paying back a small part of the great debt owed to God, which we can never Doesn't it make sense to get real about putting eternal values in our lives, the way we spend our time, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our resources, the way we use our relationships, the way we provide our service? Doesn't it make sense to put eternal values? I have a friend named Bob Dole. He's a very, very successful investment guy. Heard him speak recently where he talks about it's all, I mean, he gives away 90% of his money and his resources because he said it's not about the money I make in the financial world. It's all about eternal values and investing this for eternity. I conclude with this verse. Our light and momentary troubles, big or small, they're light and momentary compared to the eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is the end of day two I want to summarize. The Apostle Paul was clear. His objective was to live and die for Christ. That would be the ultimate. To bodily experience death and resurrection as a follower of Jesus. So, one way or another, we need to follow Christ in that same kind of event. Daily dying to self and experiencing his resurrection power in his life. Jim Elliott, one of the five missionaries that was martyred in Africa in the mid-50s, said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's pray. Lord, I've been challenged by this portion. Your Holy Spirit has been speaking to me as I speak, and I trust you've been speaking to each other one of us. We may not be asked to go to jail. We may not be asked to die for our faith. But you do call us to give all. Dying to self, living to Christ. Crucified with Christ, nevertheless living. Oh God, would you show us how we can use our temporal resources for as an eternal investment in your kingdom. Teach us through Paul's example, through David Livingston, and even the life of Jesus Christ himself, who laid down his life willingly so that he might give life to millions across the ages. The fact that he died so that I could live forever. We're eternally grateful. And we thank you in Christ's name. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Mount Carmel Ministries podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. And in the meantime, please consider joining us in person for our brand new Lakeside Bible Initiative. More information about this initiative can be found at www.mountcarmelministries.com. 